You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. This is an experimental episode where William is traveling the world on iOS only. Normally, we record with Macs. So if you hear sound quality issues or note that we have difficulties, well, this is our second time recording the episode. We're going to get right through it then. That's William the Wilted Gallagher. All right. Wilted, again. I prefer wondering. I liked what you just said there. But right. Yes. What's going on in the world? ARM processors from Macintosh. Okay. I'll have, I'll have two. Do they do them in blue? This Intel stuff is garbage. Let's just forget about it. We're going to go to ARM. Okay. I mean, one can understand Intel is taking a very long time to do what it promised. But really, can Apple seriously just switch over? It's a bigger job than it sounds, isn't it? In the past, when Apple switched over, it's always been a big task. But the way that they've addressed it has been through neat tricks like running classic software or legacy software in emulation. Uh, the, the, the change from the Motorola 6800 or 68000 processors to the PowerPC was a monumental shift that required a huge undertaking. And some software got left behind, but a lot of it worked in System 8. The shift to PowerPC it was, it was a difficult one. The shift to Intel was a much easier one at that time. They, they'd uh, been able to compile OS X for Intel. They'd be able to get fat binaries going for Intel. It still required some legacy software, so they wrote an emulator called Rosetta. And then after that, you know, it's like not that hard any longer. The difficulty is going to be part of what we're seeing play out now with Marzipan apps, where we have UIKit and AppKit. And one of them is going to win out. And the answer is it's the one that's on iPhone. That's the one that wins. So when everyone gets on board with that, when Marzipan becomes a little bit more fleshed out, that's when this change makes a lot of sense. And Ming-Chi Kuo, who, who issued the analyst note, says that we should expect this really no later than 2021. So 2020 or 2021, we'll have ARM processors in Macintosh probably. And I mean, I can see certain advantages to that. I can see that Apple likes to control absolutely everything, and you know, there are obvious reasons why. But um, that just sounds to me like uh, everybody who's got an iOS app uh, is likely to make a Mac app if it's particularly easy for them. But you look at something like Microsoft Word, for example, which I think is better on the iPad than on the Mac. It's better because they started again and they have far fewer features. They've ditched the decades of junk. But, but no, 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 they didn't start again. The code that is running Office apps from Microsoft on iOS is the same code that is running Office apps for Android, is the same code as running Office apps for Macintosh and for Windows. I'm trying to remember what features it they definitely have, doesn't have. They have unified the code base. It is a unified code base. In, in years past, Office Mac and Office for Windows were entirely separate animals. They did yes. not share a unified code base. And with Office 2016, they do. And so what, is, what has happened here is that they have aligned and underlying it all is the same heart. Now, some features aren't surfaced and some features aren't present and the UI is different, but at the heart of it, these things are now the same. And that's a big victory because it was a monumental undertaking. Except, surely, Microsoft Word for iPad is a smaller app, and I, I know it doesn't crash as often as the Mac. So that doesn't sound to me like it can have all of these other features. Are you saying at the compile time, perhaps they choose to leave yeah. stuff out? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that suggests that um, it's probably more than just compiling it for a, a different machine. 
for it. You're, they've made choices of optimization. Will Microsoft do that to put Office on Macs? Well, uh, they, they, they want to reach as many people as they can, especially in the age of Google Docs, especially in the age where they would face antitrust again or face complaints again if, if they did not have Office on a competing platform. So it is something that they would definitely do. The question is, could they port it? And I think the answer is yes. As, as many different architectures as they've currently got it going for anyway. I mean, they, they, are, they visited ARM with Surface RT. And oh, I've forgotten about that. Yes. Okay. You, know, you know well that they're doing it again. They've got another Surface product out there with ARM in it. So they're going to keep looking at this and they're going to make sure that Office runs on it, whatever it is. If they can compile it for ARM for the other thing and the code base is unified, then an ARM Mac gets it as well. Okay, that makes sense. I think it's an interesting change in the world where before, uh, allegedly, arguably, uh, Microsoft uh, didn't go on the iPad because they thought it wasn't going to succeed and it was, if it did, it was going to be a rival. And now I feel like that's actually what's broken Microsoft's hold on word processor users. Well, they've... <sighs> Remember when they said that, they were still focusing on what Windows Phone could be. Right. And now that we know that the answer is nothing that that windows phone took a dirt nap that uh this is not an issue but i want to talk about something else that popped up in ming chi kuo's note which is that besides his thinking that that this changes apple into a full stack arm shop a full stack shop where they own everything including the graphics processor and the cpu because they would obviously if they're putting an a series chip in a mac that they're also working on advanced driver assistance systems for the Apple car, and that that will also use a TSMC chip. That is he said to launch, he thinks, between 2023 and 2025. So the Apple car is not dead. Well, we knew that it wasn't dead, but it's it's still there. It's still evolving. Now, there he thinks it's either going to support high automation of driver tasks or complete automation, including nav and driving. Now, this is interesting because we know that the Apple Maps crew are out war driving the world to, uh, to map everything. And yeah. I actually spotted an Apple Maps vehicle. Right. Last weekend, I was standing in my driveway preparing for a road trip, and the Apple Maps minivan rolled past my street. Did you follow it? I did not, but I photographed it. Oh, okay. Right. I have I, seen evidence of people following, actually, I think it was Google Maps cars, just getting ahead of it a few times so that they would be permanently recorded somewhere. It's no, silly, and, and you know, Google does this thing where they blur faces out, and I expect Apple will as well if they even give us a street view. But uh, if there's a street view from Apple Maps, they'll see me holding my iPhone up photographing them. <laughs> but I, I took rapid fire shots. I've got really great pictures of the Apple Maps vehicle driving past me. Cool. I know nothing about cars. Is it a particularly notable type of vehicle? I mean, I presume it's got you know, cameras and... It uh, has. I'll put a picture up. in the show notes. That's what we'll use for this week. Excellent. But so that's going on. Now, also adding fuel to the fire for the Apple car is a patent application, which was published on the USPTO site, Patent Trade Office, that uh, shows Apple is working out a way or has invented a way, process, to use multiple DC converters to handle down converting voltage. So what happens is an electric vehicle uses an 800 volt battery pack because you have to have that much juice to run the wheels. Right. And it's, it's not just about voltage purely. It's also about milliamp hours because, or amp hours because you have to have a huge amount of amps to be able to, to run that for any length of time. And okay. So, so that's why you get these giant big battery packs for cars. Now, the motors obviously take that 800 volts 
but the infotainment system, the, the bus for power windows and door locks and everything else uses low voltage, uses 12 volt DC in, in the rest of the world cars, could use even lower. I mean, you could you run the computer off of 5 volt and 3.3 volt. So you have to regulate and down convert from 800 volt to 12, right? Right. That actually, no, I've never thought about it, but that seems like a massive conversion job. Well, so what happens is when you do that, you you tend to lose potential energy in the form of heat. Right. Okay. It's it's not a very efficient thing always because that energy's got to go somewhere. So yeah. so you you spend some as heat, but well, never mind that. The reason that this is interesting is this patent says they're using multiple DC converters. So what happens is first of all they use the one to drop from eight hundred to twelve. And then they throw a second one in line to regulate the power. And and the reason that you do this is, so the reason that you do this is that when you have that voltage drop, these these electronics are sensitive ones to to power transients. They're sensitive to spikes. They're sensitive to drops. They're sensitive to fluctuations. And so you use the second power converter as a way of regulating and smoothing out that, so that you get solid 12 volt DC all the time, as opposed to one that dips or surges based on, on power regeneration or power drop in demand when you give, ga- give uh, power to the motors. And so this is both an interesting patent and, and it's also uh, a good sign that there's continuing working on the car. Now, you were talking to me earlier when we were talking about this offline and you'd asked me why on earth Tesla, what, what are Tesla doing? Because you rode a Tesla from the airport to your hotel, didn't you? I, uh, I understand this, I think, as much as I'm ever going to, but uh, yesterday I was picked up at LAX in the most gorgeous Tesla car and delivered to my hotel. It was great. Uh, but, you know, it worked and they had entertainment on at the time. So Tesla has solved all of this, presumably. Why does Apple need to go do it differently? Tesla has done this differently. What Tesla's doing is they have the 800-volt battery in the floor of the car and then up front in the front trunk or frunk, if you will, mm-hmm. they have a 12-volt normal battery. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, but that still means it's done, doesn't it? I mean, well, what they've reinvent- done is, is they've given up, right? They've separated out the systems. And Apple's solution is to run everything off of the one battery with one battery management system, with, with one charge controller, with all of the stuff that they can do off of one unit, as opposed to sort of throwing their hands up and saying, yeah, right, so we've got the big thing, and we also got this 12-volt normal battery. Well, it seems neater to do it this way, but um, okay, Apple's neat, yes. Well, and it's also, so there's a functional benefit there, but there's also the, this, this is Apple patenting things that they can patent. Oh, okay. Right. Part part of having a patent war chest is amassing and patenting the technology so that should it come up, you have it later. Well, you think there might be lawsuits and patent trolls around that? Never happens. Okay. Uh, around a technology that would be really interesting, like uh, an Apple vehicle? No. God. Okay. No. But, you know, well, no. Okay. keeps the lawyers busy, I suppose. And, you know, that's nice. But, okay, so uh, I, take, I take it then... Uh, Apart from the interesting fact of the engineering, the, the, the point here is that it looks so much like there will definitely be a car. I thought that the thing was that perhaps Apple had stopped uh, trying to make an actual automobile and were going to try to do things with other manufacturers. Or that maybe they were going to buy Tesla. I don't know. You hear these things. Well, uh, but this sounds like no. They, they poach, you know, there was this poaching of employees going back and forth between Tesla for a while. And, you know, Elon Musk, who has a big mouth, said that, you know, Apple employees weren't worthy of working at Tesla. They just weren't high enough caliber. 
So you see this kind of thing go on. Uh, Apple was trying to work with BMW earlier on to, to see if there was something they could work out for using their platform. That didn't seem to pan out. And so Apple is going their own way. Now, why is this important? Well, Google's working on it. Uh, when, you know, the Uber and Lyft are working on it. There's, there's a ton of energy being poured into this notion of fixing transportation. And automated driving fixes transportation in a key way. And that way is right now there are approximately and I, I anywhere from 40 to 60,000 people that die in automotive related deaths every year in America alone. Now, if I told you that 40 to 60,000 people were going to die every year, you would say that was a pandemic. Yes. Right. Well, we if I said if I said 40 to 60,000 people were going to die preventable deaths due to illness, you'd say, oh, my God, why isn't somebody doing something? Right. And you would tell me they are. And this is it. Okay. Right. But because, because we think of driving as normal and having risks associated with it, this is just what people have come to accept. And the future of the automobile is one where maybe that isn't acceptable anymore. What ha there are a few things that happen here, right? So yeah. first of all, Uber and Lyft are working on this, right? They, they like the idea. And they're not alone. GM is working on it through their, uh, their, their thing with Avis, rental cars. And yes. they, they're also sharing that technology because the idea here is that, you know, if you had a rental car company, you would absolutely want your self-driving car doing it rather than trusting it and going on the insurance of the person driving, right? Yes. Yes. Protect your investment in your, in your fleet. Um, if you are a, a insurance company, you know, you're, you could change the world just by simply saying that people who use self-driving are, are going to have way better rates. Good grief. Yes. Okay. And that's right. You can see that you, inevitable. Yeah. You know, and, and along with this car ownership changes, if Uber and Lyft do this and you can simply page one of whatever you need, then what's the value in owning a car? Okay. Oh, isn't that funny? My mind just went to simultaneously to the fact that I actually might enjoy driving now, but also I don't enjoy the servicing and the constant repairs of it and things. Oh, but no, hang on. The third thing we're saying Apple is going to introduce a car and at the same time, fewer people, are going to need cars at all. Has Apple missed the boat here? It's a good question. I mean, at the same time as all this is happening, there are things like Bird and Lime that do bike share and electric scooter share. And if the truth is that city infrastructure allows you to ride a scooter in a protected lane on a street, then do you need a car necessarily? Oh, you know, you might, you might need a car for doing grocery shopping just because in terms of carrying stuff. Yeah. But, you know, for your quick commute to work, you could do an electric bicycle, you could do a scooter. Last night when I was being driven along, I admit I was looking at the Tesla equipment, but I did glance out of the window at one point, you know, to show willing. Uh, and I was certain somebody rode by on a motorized skateboard. And uh, I just, I was they did. sure. They did. In traffic. It was quite impressive, actually. So you can, okay. I think I quite want one of those. Forget cars. Give me a motorized skateboard. Yeah. Well, we've reviewed a couple of those here at Apple Insider. So they're you know mainstream now. They're uh, available. It's not just I don't know hobbyists with three, a soldering iron now. and an engine. No, um, no, for years now. Uh, right. We did we did boosted. We did um, one that was called eboards or something like that. There was another one I saw at CS that I quite liked that I wish I could get a hold of, but I haven't gotten a hold of them. Uh, we're looking at doing a one wheel review. I'm sorry, a one, one wheel review. Yeah. So instead of a skateboard, a skateboard has the board and it has two trucks with four wheels at the corners, basically. Yeah. Uh, a one wheel says, you know what? Forget all that. You got a board and then stuck in a hole right in the center of the board is a really giant wheel, a single one. 
And so you sort of balance like a seesaw on the thing. Oh, I see. Right. You forward. Okay. It's getting closer and closer to a hoverboard. I like it. Yes. Yeah. One, one large rubber wheel with a motor in the center of it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Sorry, I got you off on the point. I was just so distracted by it. But um, transport is changing and all because of electric motors by the sound of it. We um, are seeing the unbundling of transport. Yeah. Unbundling of transport. That's a great phrase. Okay. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell you about PDF Element for a moment, and we'll get right back into it. PDF Element is a complete PDF solution via cross-platform, Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android. It's intuitive and easy to use, especially if you're familiar with Microsoft Office, mentioned before. We have little doubt that most users will be able to quickly get up and running with it. It provides facilities for PDF creation and editing, form creation, digital signatures, and commenting, plus integrated optical character recognition, OCR, so that scanned paper documents can be turned into truly editable PDFs. Given that it's so much cheaper than Acrobat, it makes a lot of sense for small business use. Facebook. Did you see Facebook introduced a video chat device? Yes. I mean, we got a few of those. Well, we, we got a few of those. This one is a, a screen with a camera and a speaker and has Alexa built in. They partnered with Amazon for that. And it's for using video chat over Facebook Messenger. Okay. Sounds like Google Home Hub plugged into Facebook. Is that a bad... It? Is that something, something kind of like that. Now, they, they were very clear. They stressed that they have privacy credentials, that it doesn't monitor or retain the encrypted calls, that, the, uh, that they have physical and mechanical means of disconnecting the camera, that they're all about the privacy. Great. That sounds brilliant. Well, they lied. <laughs> uh, okay. That's, do you mean they allegedly lied? Uh, uh, should we walk that back a little bit? Yeah. Well, so... I don't have to walk it back too far. And I'll say that because after there were reports saying that no data would be collected from Fortal for advertising purposes, they've then admitted that, yeah, actually, okay, fine. Some data does get collected. So in a statement that they provided to Recode, they advised that while Portal doesn't show advertising, data about who users call and the apps used on the device can be used in advertising decisions on other Facebook-owned services. Okay, that does seem like at least a 99% reversal of things. And it surprises me from Facebook, um, the reversal, not the privacy. Oh, no, no, the reversal shouldn't surprise you. Every other time they've said, no, 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 we don't do that. A couple of weeks later, yeah, we do that. Okay. That's Facebook's history. Yes. No, 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 we would never. Yes, we do. No, 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 we don't. Yeah, run a newspaper, run an advert in the New York Times, full page ad, apologizing. Yeah, we did that. That's the Facebook rinse cycle repeat is... We don't do that. Oh, yeah, we do. And you know what? We knew all along we did, and we're sorry, but we're going to keep doing it. Okay. Well, I have, you know, I mean, it sounds bad when you put it this way, but I have previously been aware that it's sometimes better to do something and apologize afterwards than to ask permission first. But I'm talking about when I was in the BBC and things, and if you didn't do it, nothing ever happened. Um, but this is different. This is messing with people's why, lives. Why would you keep placing your trust in them? Uh, why would I put my trust in Facebook? Um, a habit, actually, I think more than anything else. I can't think of another reason. Well, earlier this year, when the Cambridge Analytica scandal broke, we ran stories. We ran two stories. One, how to delete your Facebook account, and the other, how to delete a lot of your activity and, and minimize your exposure on Facebook. Yeah. And at that time, I, I wrote the one about purging your activity, and I purged all of my activity back to like 2009. And the past week, I just said, you know what, forget it, I've had enough, and I deleted my account. Oh, right. Okay. I, I did notice you've never sent me a friend request, but I just took that as personal. Okay. Um, how do you feel um, out there alone in the wild without Facebook? I feel okay. I'm Facebook all right with this. Friend. 
You know, I had someone call up to interview me for a documentary they're doing on the first iPhone launch. And when they, they sent the invite request to speak, they said, can we just talk via Facebook Messenger? And I wrote back and said, actually, no, we cannot. I've deleted Facebook. And it was really, she wrote back and she said, that's so refreshing. That's so interesting that someone talking about iPhone and Apple and stuff doesn't even have Facebook any longer. There you go. I did it at the right time. (laughs) And, you know, I I got a bunch of people requesting, you know, sending me emails saying, what happened? Can we still get in touch with you? Well, you know what? Yes. If, if that's the result that I deleted it and they noticed and, and we can go ahead and talk somewhere else. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I like it. it. It feels to me as if I have decreased the vulnerability surface of my identity. Wow. That's a, uh, quite a phrase. Okay. Put that on a t-shirt. I just made yes. that up. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it on a t-shirt then. Yes. Well, you're doing that. I want to tell you that almost every day we hear about something on the news about a cyber attack. Sometimes it's just a bunch of pranksters. Sometimes it's a foreign country with vast cyber resources trying to hack our power grid, our banking systems, or our military's information networks. The National Security Agency plays a big part in protecting our country from cyber attacks, and you can help. The NSA is hiring technical professionals to serve on the front lines of information security. If you work in computer science, networking, programming, or electrical engineering, you can help keep our country safe. Design new hardware systems and networks, write faster, smarter programs, protect America's critical infrastructure, or help uncover what our adversaries are planning to do next. Learn more about our careers at the National Security Agency today. Visit intelligencecareers.gov NSA. That's intelligencecareers.gov NSA, NSA in all capital letters. Right, so I've got my t-shirts ready. Uh, are you an X or an XL? L, okay. M to L, basically. All right. Okay. Uh, in Britain, I've got to watch my XXL. figure. You are. Okay. Yes. And, and you do it very well. Mm. Yes. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bundling up t-shirts. Uh, we're, for some reason, we're dissing Facebook. I can't imagine. Well, we're why. moving on from that because we're going to talk about something that's a little more tragic. Yeah. There's, there's been a story going on the past couple of days uh, about a Washington Post journalist named Jamal Khashoggi yeah. who was killed in Turkey. And the reason that we're talking about it specifically is because the Apple Watch keeps getting brought up as a part of the details of the story. Now, Khashoggi wore a cellular Series 3, an LTE Series 3 Apple Watch. And th- this is known just because there are many photos of him and, and you can see the little red dot on the ground. Right. This is an interesting thing, and, and we're even getting wrapped up in the story. So let's let's start. First of all, he was a green card holder in, in America. So someone on the path to citizenship legitimately in America worked for the Washington Post. The Washington Post is, of course, owned by Jeff Bezos. Uh, Bezos has not commented at all on this story. Now, I, I, it's interesting, part, partly because, you know, normally he stays out of the news fine. He lets the Post run their own way. But you would think as the owner of the paper, he would have something to say about this. He has not. News reports keep mentioning the Apple Watch as the source of data for a questioning by a hit squad. So he he went to visit the Saudi embassy in Turkey. And when he was there, he he was um, accosted and assaulted by a, a hit squad. And there's an audio file. The audio file of this was reportedly synchronized with his iPhone, which was in the possession of his fiancée, who was waiting outside the consulate during this exchange. Um, Some people are presuming that was within Bluetooth range, but the thing about consulates is that they tend to be very secure. They tend to have no wireless signals coming in and out intentionally. Well, yes. Right? It's a part of of securing the console. And 
So what we don't know is, is how this audio was transferred to the iPhone, how it made its way to iCloud, how it, how it made its way out of the, the watch for that matter. Um, you know, we don't know what app he used or anything, but uh, the, there's, there's reports that suggest that Saudis wipe certain files from his device or devices. They were unsuccessful in deleting data from iCloud. Now, if, if the Apple Watch recorded this attack, it's not clear how that happened. Um, it's not entirely clear that it really was the Apple Watch, although that's what everyone's saying. I should point out, I often record audio on my Apple Watch. There's an app called um, Just Press Record which is really handy when you get a, a quick record of a, you know, a, a impromptu speech you're making or something. Yeah. Like so that. your, your task is to take this app and others like it, if you can find them and record with your iPhone off and see if the recording goes to iCloud and then record when you are off Wi-Fi and see what happens when Wi-Fi is restored. Because in your case, you have a Wi-Fi watch, not an LTE watch. Yes. Um, but we want to test and figure out how the data got, out and where it would go in your example. Um, Now, the the other concern here and how we began to be part of the story is is that this is weird. So, you know, it's possible that, like I said, this isn't a part of an Apple Watch recording at all, that this is a part of a disinformation campaign. At the same time, on Monday, a domain that's very similar to our own at Apple Insider was purchased and registered in Panama. Now, we're appleinsider.com but someone registered appleinsider.org and they redirect to ours for every story there is pretty much, except for the ones talking about Jamal Khashoggi's murder. Those, those, they took Mikey Campbell's story and they edited it and reworked it and changed it and posted it on their bogus domain. And they alleged that Apple CEO Tim Cook had spoken to us in broken English. Now, obviously Tim Cook speaks wonderful English. He's a well-educated man. The broken English should have been a tip-off to people that this is not what happened, but also the domain should have been a tip-off. So, so well, you we're not that, sure. We're I, not admit, sure. I, I often don't bother. You fall for uh, it. Yeah, I could. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm proud of that, but yeah. It's, it's going to get harder, though, in the future to tell because Google has said openly that they want to do away with the URL. Right. They, they think that the URL is an impediment to using the internet and they're going to get rid of it. So... It, it could be even more difficult to tell in the future. But there's, there's no good reason why the assailants would want to impugn Apple Insider. There is no good reason that we can think of why, why this is happening, other than maybe people in Panama want to manipulate Google search results and take advantage of our own Google rankings to do it. That's, that's okay. the simplest explanation we can come up with. Well, that makes sense. Piggyback on Apple Insider's uh, long decades of audience figures. Uh, but did they try to do it for anybody else and like make it look like there were multiple sources? Not that we know of. Okay, I quite... NYtimes.org didn't appear then. I don't know. Weird. Okay, right. Stuff is weird. Yeah. Yeah. In other news, so Google is going to start charging Android vendors for the Play Store and Google Apps. Android used to be this entirely free, entirely open system with all of the, the services free to people who wanted to, to do it. And you just had to get certified to be a Play Store provider. And then along the way, they started taking core services and core functionalities out of Android and placing them into apps. And one of the reasons to do this was that the apps could be updated via the Play Store whenever Google wanted, as opposed to Android OS, which had to be updated with approval from carriers. And so it was really difficult to get people to update 
the Android OS on their phones. Vendors yeah. didn't want to do it because they wanted to sell new phones and carriers didn't want to do it because they were afraid of a new operating system running on their, their network. Right. So Google said, you know what, fine, and run around all of this. We're going to put all the functionality into our Google Apps and Play Store, and if you want updates, you'll get them that way. And okay. that's fine, except that the European Commission has decided that that is now antitrust. Wasn't there incitement from something about um, uh, Android developers could only have access to the store if they did other things? I mean, presumably complied with legal conditions. I don't know. But yeah. isn't that part of so, uh, some part of it. But basically what's going on here is that they find Google $5 billion. And okay. so Google has agreed that they're going to start licensing play and licensing the Google services and apps that they put out on play to handset manufacturers, Okay. which has the knock on effect of, are they going to eat that cost or are they going to pass it on to their consumer? Well, there's such a lot of profit margin in Android phones. I imagine they'll just eat the cost, won't they? Hmm. You'd think so. Probably not. What's going to happen is that everyone's Android phone is going to get slightly more expensive as a result, and they won't notice because, well, you know, phones are $1,000 from Apple. No, yes. So, yes, 10 bucks of an Android phone becoming 11 doesn't seem that big a deal. Plus, I don't know how many people buy Android phones on um, uh, rolling carrier subscription things, so they might, the price might even be even less per month, whatever. But yes, that, I don't see what the alternative is unless everybody suddenly decides to stop buying Android phones because of this annoying tiny increase and instead spend, like you say, a thousand pounds on an iPhone, yeah. which personally I sanction entirely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see entirely. So what's, what's going to happen here is Google doesn't really want to to do this, but they're going to do it. Google also wants to have some way to combat uh, combat Samsung. We'll talk about that in the next story in just a moment. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. With Blue Chew, that's blue, like the color, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. You can be ready anytime, day or night. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No more in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA and ships direct, so they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, Apple Insider. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code Apple Insider, to try it free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. Qualcomm and the Federal Trade Commission in the United States are asking for more time to reach settlement in the Apple-connected antitrust case. So Qualcomm and the USFTC have asked a federal judge to postpone a preliminary ruling because they're hoping to pursue a settlement. Um, they've asked for this, but they haven't got it yet. Is it's that not right? been granted yet. But, but basically, partial summary judgment could happen. And that's what they're asking for the delay is to hold that off. Now, why would they want to hold off summary judgment? Yeah. Because if they can work out a settlement that's advantageous to them, that's better than being judged. Okay, that makes sense. But I don't know how long they've had in order to reach a settlement before. Will 30 days really make a difference? A lot could be agreed to in 30 days. True. And they, presumably they're confident. This isn't one of these things where in 28 days they'll ask for another 30-day extension. Uh, judges don't usually look kindly upon that. Right. You, you had your 30 days. You're not getting more unless you've got a really good reason, and they don't. 
So, or at least I don't suspect they do. The, the point of this is that they're trying to get rid of and clean up as many legal disputes as they can in order to reach financial targets. And the way that works is that when you have legal clouds overhead, they depress your, your stock price. Okay, that makes sense. And right. so if, if they can clear up these things, then their stock price will be boosted. It'll come back because people will be reassured by them. So, so they're trying to get up to about $7.50 in earnings per share for their 2019 fiscal year. Well, presumably, I mean, all these companies always have these things going on, hanging over their heads. Why are they particularly keen now? They're trying to uh, prepare themselves to, uh, I don't know, be bought to make them a better target for some purchaser. Well, I don't know that. Now, see, the, when you start talking about that, a good question is who would want them? You could say Apple would want them because it would just go ahead and let them take the cell modem and they wouldn't have to use the Intel modem. Yeah. You could say Apple would want them because then they would own all the IP around the Snapdragon CPUs, which would be a bad news for Android. <laughs> yes. You could say that Samsung should buy them because then Samsung can use the Snapdragon as their own property and also restrict supply to other customers for it. Okay. Right? Good. Huawei has the Kirin processor, but LG, Google's Pixel, HTC, Oppo, who, who are they using? Well, you can use MediaTek or they can use uh, Snapdragon. Mm -hmm. there, there are a very limited number of ARM CPUs out there that you can just use. And so being able to buy Snapdragon, which is, of course, one of the better ones, would be a big way to go. Okay. Now, uh, Google, just... Google, for their part, would really hate that because Google wants to be able to release flagship designs, flagship phones. And they do that because they're fighting a war against Samsung. The problem is that Samsung is almost synonymous with Android. But I mean, you say a war, uh, I can understand why Google would like, I think you're saying that everybody uh, equates Samsung with Android and Android with Samsung and there's poor old Google who invented it. But uh, isn't Samsung bringing in a lot of money to Google for this? The difficulty is that when Samsung has as much control as they have, they get to define what Android is. And that's not where Google wants it to be. And so years ago, Samsung was working on an escape hatch plan called Tizen OS. Oh, yes, yes. Well, Google's working on an escape hatch OS called Fuchsia. Okay. Fuchsia is not Android. Fuchsia can run Android applications, but it's an operating system that's separate from it entirely. And so Fuchsia would be a way of, of Google regaining control over what their mobile OS is. And that's, that's something that they need to do. Now, if Google bought Qualcomm, then Google would have control over the processor supply and, and phones and everything else. Okay. Um, just now, of course, they'd probably be subject to more uh, antitrust stuff from... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's very much... Picture a, a bunch of people in a room with each one with swords pointed at each other. <laughs> yes. That's what this is. Okay. Yep. Now... In late breaking news, late, late, late breaking news, Apple has sent out invites for the upcoming event. Yay. At Yay. last. Been waiting for this. Yes. Right. Now, the, this event is, is focused around what looks like making stuff and creativity. They're, they're going to do it in Brooklyn, I believe. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's happening in, in New York City, in Brooklyn. And it says there's more in the making, is the tagline here. And the Apple logo is a unique, is a large number of, of different versions of it. And they're all artistic. And they're, so, so each person who's getting an invite gets a randomized one. They aren't all the same. Okay. Do we know how many there are? 
No, but there are a ton. And it's it's probably likely that a whole bunch of designers were tasked with coming up with a, a ton of these things. And they just randomized the list and sent out a bunch. Okay, that's cool. But that tells me that it's probably an iPad event. And it's an iPad event focused around creativity. So expect to see something about iPad Pro and Apple Pencil. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, we were expecting an iPad Pro. I don't know if we were... Uh, expecting a pencil. I mean, generally one assumes one's coming, but I don't remember there being well, much of an evidence trail for it. Even if there's no pencil too, and it's just the same pencil, if the event focuses on the artistry and the things that you can do, then yeah. that's enough, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that now. All right. Okay. Yep. That's great. I really like that. I mean, I, I quite like Apple's cryptic uh, cars, but it feels like you know, they're going a bit further. Now. Yeah, this is a unique one because in the past, we've always gotten the same invite from everyone. Here, unique artistic invites. Brilliant. Bespoke artisanal invites. And this is on October 30th. Yes, it is. Okay. Right. Clear your diary for that. Well, this is the episode. This is all the time we have. I want to thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we will be back next week with more. Cool. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Uh, From Los Angeles. Yes. Where can people find you on the internet now that we know Uh, we can find you in Los Angeles? Okay. Uh, I'm at W Gallagher. Great. I'm at V Marks. I want everyone to go ahead and send William email at wgallagher at appleinsider.com. And if you can figure out how you're going to use the Apple Watch to record in situations where you don't have connectivity and then get the data out to the iCloud, out to iCloud let us know because this is an interesting exercise. Yeah. Not really sure how I'll even try it, but I'll get, I'll have a good go. Okay. Record, turn your phone off, and see where the data goes. Okay. All right. Okay. Cheers. I'll go do that. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you all next week. We'll see you back then.